2: you <laughs>
1: Welcome to the Butting Heads Podcast from Rams Talk Radio. I'm Steve Rivero. As always, I'm joined with Johnny Gomez. We're back. We didn't do a show last week, but we're here. Uh, Johnny, I have heard that you literally haven't slept in days, and you're here just to do the show. So you know what? Now you know how I feel.
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I'm not a New Yorker or anything, so I'm not used to that. As Californians, you know, (laughs) we, we need our sleep. Keeping me up
1: till midnight to record the podcast sometimes uh hey but it's all good uh I'm excited you're back uh our apology well my apologies for not doing a show last week Johnny had informed me a while ago that he wasn't going to be here and I got sick Sunday and didn't feel like putting a show together so that's that it is what it is guys but we're back it's June as always in June we have riveting riveting offseason topics to talk about uh, but before we get into it, guys, don't forget you can get our podcast wherever you're getting your podcast, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Player, FM, Android, Radio Public, and Spotify. And don't forget you can find us on the Clutch Points app and also check out our other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio and Rams Uncensored, both great, uh, enjoyable, very different shows. Uh, I got to say out of the three of us, Rams Uncensored doing a great job taking the off season by the balls and getting getting some quality content out for you guys um, but you know in in the tradition of this podcast uh, we have two players that feel like get mentioned far too often uh, when they don't really have a lot to talk about one of those guys is gone off the team so we're not even going to give him the light of day the other guy just resigned for 2 years with a max value of 8 million and that is our expected to be fifth string cornerback troy hill our starters right now marcus peters and to keep leave they're under contract nick Robbie coleman doesn't look like he's getting out of the slot anytime soon and a guy we just drafted david long who we're all pretty high on you gotta expect he may be able to take that spot as the fourth cornerback on the roster so johnny this is your boy uh so i, I gotta hear it. how you feeling about this signing two more years of troy hill
3: you know there's I feel like when you, whenever we talk about Troy Hill, he's that annoying little fly that's pestering my face when I'm just trying to relax outside. <laughs> and I can't swap this guy, and neither can the Rams, apparently. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. Where do we even begin with this? Okay, so... Let me be as fair about this as humanly possible. So Troy Hill is a decent backup. Oh man, that hurts saying. That hurts saying. Oh, okay. Let me try to get through this. So he, joking aside, he is a decent backup to have. He's he's a guy that you know if if uh, you know your starters need a need a breather or you know unfortunately injuries do happen. He's a guy that you do appreciate to have on the roster. That being said, I don't want to see him as a starter. Troy Hill is not a starter. And I think that's kind of why the Rams opted to draft a guy like David Long, you know, just because they know that he isn't a starter. So if, you know, we have some unfortunate injuries again this year, we don't have to look at the guys like Troy Hill to actually take the reins again as a starter so while i don't necessarily mind him being our fifth string quarter cornerback i don't like his contract at all at two years worth a maximum value of eight million now keep in mind i realize that this is uh incentive based as well right so and I- I'll give
1: the incentive for our listeners. Uh, the base value is $5.25 million, and he gets the other $3 million if he plays 52% of the defensive snaps. Uh, it seems like that's next season, but um, I'm not 100% sure on that. That's what it looks like from what I'm reading. But that's still over $2.5 a, a year for the fifth-string quarterback. So continue.
3: Yeah, I mean, that – in all honesty, it's probably not going to happen. I, at least, I hope that that doesn't happen. But uh, for, but still, I feel like that was a little high for a guy like Troy Hill, just because I feel like there are some other talented corners out there that could easily take a spot. But I think the ultimate goal with this is that he is his familiarity with the defense, and you know his experience overall. So when you put those two factors together, I think that's what the Rams ultimately wanted in, in terms of this signing. Uh, am I overreacting, Steve? I don't think I'm overreacting. I, well, I'd say you're overreacting a smidge.
1: But it's still like – it's no, it's not in the grand scheme of things. It's not a lot of money. But we've been talking about how tight for cash this team is pretty much all since February, since the season ended and you give 2.5 million to your fifth string cornerback it's not a lot of money and look if he gets that bonus if he gets the full 8 million then you know we probably needed him and that's also frightening um I, i we both like david long i think all the Rams fans like david long and i guess i have been kind of the chief advocate of hey we shouldn't be putting all of our eggs in the unproven players basket but with David Long, you're not putting all your eggs in that basket because you have a keep to leave, and Marcus Peters up there, and you have Roby Coleman. So realistically, if everything goes to plan and all our guys play 16 games, neither Troy Hill nor David Long would play a lot. So I don't mind keeping him. I'm just surprised they they tacked an extra year onto it. Um, I'm surprised it was more than the tender. And it, it, you got to credit his agent, man. He got this guy a good deal from a team that – quite frankly, I don't think really needs him. But you mentioned it's a guy that knows the system. It's a guy you want to keep around. If you, you're you going to have to throw in a cornerback if somebody gets injured, Troy Hill's not the worst option. But it's also like we saw him as a starter last year, and it, it really did not work out.
3: No, not at all. <laughs> but again, I, I'm, I might be overreacting a little bit, but – um, you know, Hill as as a starter shouldn't happen. And and I think it won't just like you said, with the inclusion of uh long. Uh, and I think, you know, for some, you know, are probably speculating, well, are we are we kind of jumping the gun a little bit to say that David Long gets the nod above Troy Hill at the moment? If we're gonna Play it politically in the NFL spectrum. I would say that they would probably have Long listed below Hill at the moment, but I think once we see what Hill's cap or, or what uh, Long, I'm sorry, is capable of, I think that's kind of where you'll see separation, and you'll probably see it more when we hit the preseason, and you see, you know, and and while that's not a lock either maybe long still has a few things to learn you know the nfl is next level and it's a huge giant step from college so we'll see i i have all the faith in the world in david long so we'll see but uh i i think at some point this david long will be a starter in the nfl
1: yeah i you know i think i agree with you It's it's a little early but I'm a big long fan as well. I was really happy we drafted him. You know, we've gotten quality cornerbacks in that range before, and I do believe that guy could be the next one. And look, we we can sit here and act like it's too much money for Troy Hill, but and we gotta count our dollars with this team because they they don't have a lot of cap space. But this is kind of like you're using the tail end a bit. And next year we will have cap space. It's just I don't know, man. We can complain all we want. It's it's. In reality, if it all goes well, it's $2.5 million, um, which as silly as it sounds to say that $2.5 million doesn't matter because I'm guessing uh, if anyone listening to the podcast was given $2.5 million, it would be the best day of their lives, including us. Uh, But in the grand scheme of things with this team, with how much money they're giving to people, uh, that money is probably not going to make a huge difference. But... It is what it is. You know, this, this is how you get. I don't know. I don't know. I think we just don't like Trey Hill.
3: <laughs> what are you talking about, Steve? That's all you.
1: Would love to get Trey Hill on the pot if he ever wants to. Um, all right, let's move on. Uh, a report out this week, according to NFL.com's Ian Rappaport, the Rams are, you know, have an understanding that Gurley won't be the team's Bell Cow running back. And the team will spread the ball around in order to preserve Gurley's knees. Um, so, I guess I'll start with this. I, I think this is just a given. You no, know, I think this is how it should be. I, I don't think we. And I, again, I'm not. I'm not a doctor. And more importantly, I don't know what's going on with Todd Gurley's knee because nobody will fucking tell us what's going on with his <laughs> knee. Uh, nobody knows. But you know, you look at the guy. He had. I hate doing math on the fly on the podcast. Uh like three hundred and fifteen touches last year. Which is a lot of touches. So I would personally if if he plays and that was in fourteen games, so that's a shitload of touches. I would personally like to see him around I don't know, two hundred and fifty touches. You know, I, he ran the ball two hundred and fifty six times last year. If he runs it closer to 200 and still keeps about you know at 59 receptions maybe he gets 40 50 something in that range I don't know I think to me that would be ideal he was averaging 22 touches a game last year you trim that back to like 17 18 that'll make me feel good you drafted Daryl Henderson uh you know we talked about how we didn't really love that pick because it meant the Rams were concerned about Gurley but you know what he's on the team if you're concerned about Gurley you give the guy the ball and I still think Gurley really should be out there for the majority of the game. And I, even though I like Malcolm Brown and I think Henderson will be good, he, he you just gave this guy so much money. So it's part you got to preserve him, but also like you got to play him. You know, I mean he, you know, he shouldn't be the bell cow, but he should still be getting a lot of the touches, and I'd say the bulk of them. But um, getting him breaks and kind of load management is is a term that people like to use for this kind of stuff make sure you don't overrun him in the first 10 games of the season you know i'm a 76ers fan for those who watch basketball uh our beloved figure joel Embiid, who is made of glass who has glass bones and is made of paper skin uh was leading the league in minutes like in january last year and we were all freaking out because he should never lead the league in minutes. And lo and behold, come the All-Star break, you know, his knees are shot. And we had to let him sit out some time. Uh, he's not 100% for the playoffs. And we they lost. Um, obviously, the Raptors are in the finals. So, you no know, no slack on us. We were almost there. But, the, you know, Gurley, I think you got to deal with in a similar way. You know, you got to have him out there. You got to get in the ball. You have to make the most out of him because – You're locked into it. He's a huge part of the team. But don't overdo the guy. Be smart about it. Save him in drives. Get him some breaks here and there in drives so that when you're in the red zone, you could put him in and he could get you the touchdowns, which is where he's at his best. And yeah, I I guess that's my rant. He shouldn't be a full-on every down, bell cow, every drive. But I still think he should be leading the team in touches, or at least the backfield, by a very large margin. But it should be dialed back a little bit.
3: You know, when when I saw this report, I just was kind of thinking to myself, "Duh." I mean, yeah, I, right. I thought this was uh, this was kind of a given already. Like, I, evident, I mean, it, it was it was definitely something that was going to happen regardless of who the Rams drafted. But it even became more evident when they drafted Daryl Henderson, and no matter what bold you know less need or you know sean mcveigh spin you don't draft a guy like daryl henderson and not use him so they were claiming that they were they drafted him because the value was there yes and while i agree with that why do you draft a guy like that to use him as an offensive weapon because he is that talented of a player so with all the backups and talented backups that the Rams have, there's no way that, that they can use Gurley as a bell cow anymore. You know, he, he's just too, I mean, first of all, we, we, like you said, we still don't know about the knee 100%. um, But you're right. You have to, you have to conserve the guy because at, at, some point it's gonna get to the point where maybe the investment was too much and while it may be at that point at least get some kind of production out of him and you're not gonna if you give this guy 300 plus uh carries a year and he is basically reduced to nothing in in the uh playoffs so when you have all this talent behind him you have brown you have henderson you have Kelly Davis probably doesn't make the roster, so you have all these talented guys there, and yeah, there, there's no absolutely no reason for Gurley to be this bell cow. I, so um, I, I just I don't understand why this has, became a story or, or a shock, because it was obvious to begin with. I do want
1: to say though um, the the fact that the Rams drafted Henderson means that yeah this is. Definitely true. Uh, you don't want to use him as a bell cow. But you know how much money the Lions paid C.J. Anderson? One year, $1.5 million. We just wanted this whole rant about how Troy Hill's $2.5 million isn't that substantial. We could have had C.J. back. Now, I don't know if he would accept that from us. But hell, you give him the $2.5 million and you use that third-round pick... To get, you know, another guy to position who's going to have a player expiring soon. Uh, Maybe that would have been the better move if you want to limit Todd Gurley's touches. I'm just throwing it out there.
3: I'll tell you one thing. I'd rather have C.J. Anderson over Troy Hill. (laughs) I'm just saying. I'm just
1: saying. That's just, you know, we were fine with losing C.J. because we kept Malcolm Brown and... Um, no, we didn't know, really have any clarity on the Todd Gurley situation, but the fact that Daryl Henderson got drafted in the third round by this team, either he was in their first round and they couldn't pass up on him or they're clearly concerned. And in that case, uh, CJ was a monster for us and he should have brought him back. Uh, that's all I'm going to say, but it, what's done is done. We, we got what we got. He's in Detroit and Speaking of things that we got, Johnny, both me and you own the book Hollywood's Team Grit Glamour in the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk, our friend, our sponsor. Uh, guys, I don't remember the last time I did a podcast. I don't think I was done with this book yet, but now I'm done with it, finally, and it was a great book. Uh, it is a great story about the Rams history, history of you know sports and just the city of Los Angeles in the 1950s. And it is through the lens of Jim's dad, John, who was an offensive lineman for the Rams from 1953 to 1957. Check out a son's story of his father and the team he played for in the era of glitz, glamour, and future Hall of Famers. You're going to learn not only about guys like Norm Van Brocklin, Crazy Legs Hirsch, Tom Fears, and Les Richter, but I, I Johnny, I picked up uh, this book called Football for a Buck about the USFL. And I you know reading through the book, a lot of the guys in this book were in Hollywood's team. Um, Roman Gabriel was in there. Uh, what's what? Do you remember the name of the coach for the 50s in the Rams? He, like, revolutionized the passing game.
3: Um,
1: I just read the book, and this guy's in another uh, book I'm reading. Uh, why can't I remember his name? Here we go. I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking. Uh, Sid Gilman. Sid Gilman, Gilman. coached yes. in the USFL. And it's in this book that I'm reading. Uh, George Allen, who's mentioned in this book, he co- uh, he was a huge coach in the USFL. Uh, Gilman, fun fact, actually coached Jim Kelly in Houston in the USFL. Uh, but this, you know, we're not talking about the USFL. I'm just saying there's a lot of interesting figures and stories and tidbits uh, from this book. That book is Hollywood's Team, Great Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams that... You know, guys that had huge impact on the history of the game. Uh, you can find Hawk's book online at hollywoodsteam.com and on Twitter at Hollywoodsteam. It's available in both hardback and electronic form at Amazon and Barnes and & Noble. You can also find it through various other books bookstores on the internet. Guys, you know, we mentioned, we're talking about it. This book is awesome. It's worth every penny for any Rams fan out there. But it also is just a great story about a person's father and the legacy he left behind. Again, guys, trust me, Hollywoodsteam.com. Grit, Glamour, and the 1950s Los Angeles Rams by Jim Hawk. It is well worth your time. All right. That was a lot of talking. I had to get a sip of water. Because it's June, we're going to unveil a new segment today. Uh, I don't know how often we're going to do this segment. Uh, If there's kids in the cars, get earplugs. This segment is called Do We Give a Shit? Uh, This segment is about stories that I've seen on Twitter, on social media, uh that I'm not sure if they're stories, but this is what we come to in the off season. The first one, Johnny, I don't know if you saw this, Nadamagan Sue posted his first picture as a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh if you didn't know he's on the Bucks now, just sign with them, taking Gerald McCoy's spot.
3: And he's
1: wearing Rams gloves. Do we give a shit?
3: Not particularly. I mean <laughs> What probably ended up happening was that's the only gloves he had on him. He probably didn't even realize that the logo was on there. Uh, this isn't a tribute to the Rams or anything. It's just, it was just, it just happened. Uh, <laughs> the, to me, though, the thing that kind of caught my attention more than anything is that he's wearing Gerald McCoy's number. Ooh. It's just ste- steving numbers. <laughs> um, yeah.
1: I don't really give a shit. But I will say, either this is a Photoshop image of an old photo and they forgot to edit out the glove, and I think that's what happened. In that case, I don't give a shit. But, like, if that's not true, why is he just, like, carrying around his Rams gloves? Uh, Where was he that they didn't have gloves they could get him? And, like, the the result was, like, oh, I got my Rams gloves in the car. And they were like, oh, sure, wear those. (laughs)
3: <laughs> How does that happen? I uh, I just um, it could have even been as simple as like you said that they forgot to edit out the uh, image, but uh, it it's really a non issue. I think it blew up for no really good reason. I, I still like I still try to figure out why it blew up at all.
1: People love their goofs. Look at the Starbucks cup in Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. People love pointing it out. All right. The fans are realizing that the new Rams stadium is shaped like the Rams
3: logo. Um, Do we give a shit? Absolutely. That one I thought was cool. First off, it's the only stadium in the league that will have, like, an actual logo from, you know, an aerial view. So, like, for me, that's freaking awesome. And it's also kind of throwing shit at, at the San Diego or uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Still getting used to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just don't see them as Los Angeles, you um, But, yeah, it's still kind of throwing shade their way also because, well, they shared the stadium or at least they're going to. So it's kind of funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I give a shit in that regard. Uh, it is funny. It's like how the Jets played at Giant Stadium for years uh, before they built a new one and didn't name it Giant Stadium. Finally, but I got to I got to throw this out there. Um, growing up, I went to Catholic school, and our our church at, in the school it was built similarly to look like a dove when you were flying above it. Um, our the you know the logo of the the church was a dove, and if you flew over the stadium or sorry the church if you go over it it will look like a dove Uh, unfortunately our church was the dumbest thing ever it looked horrible on the inside because it was shaped like a fucking dove and it did (laughs) not make any sense it was like the worst church ever Uh, my brother and sister grew up in that church they both got married in churches they didn't get married in that church uh all of my cousins that went to that church didn't get married in that church because it's a piece of shit and oh this is a two billion dollar project so i don't think it's gonna come out like this but uh you know sometimes when you build a building to look at it from a sky view the good thing about this is that people will be flying over it the bad thing about our church is nobody flies over a church in danbury connecticut and even if they did they just see trees because it's a rural suburban area.
3: <laughs> yeah I, well I, I can't say that um, that this will have the same effect because well it's shaped as the Rams logo. So at least with the Rams logo it's kind of in one piece. I can't even imagine like going to a church where it's shaped like a dove. Uh, I think that would be really, really tough to actually make that work somehow. But at least, yeah, in this case, it's more of a structural design where basically the centerpiece is the round part. So when you're looking at the Rams' horns, that's that's basically where your stadium is. So it, it, it'll work out a lot nicer than what a Dove would, I would think. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know, when you think about, like, Catholic churches, you think of giant, like, steeples and, uh, you know, high ceilings and stained glass windows. Uh, ours did not have any of that. Uh, it's not a cool-looking church. Uh, but anyways, enough about doves and churches. Um, a bunch of Rams defensive linemen, including Aaron Donald and Michael Brock, or basically all of them. I like even Morgan Fox was there. Attended Von Miller's pass rushing camp. Uh, there were some kind of cool videos. From this, uh, Aaron Donald was breaking down his own film, giving tips to Demarcus Ware. Do we give a shit? Uh,
3: yeah, I, I give half a shit on this one, just because. Hey, it, it's an opportunity for the entire you know defensive line to improve, and I think kind of the, what everyone was saying was that um, you know the possibility of Aaron Donald potentially getting better is kind of a scary thought because when you think about it, Donald was not only in a league of his own last year, but he was already considered one of the better defensive tackles to ever play the game at, you know, that one year. So yeah, the fact that this guy might get better is probably scaring a lot of opposing defense offenses. So yeah, in my opinion, it does, you know, It does, you know, warrant a a shit-worthy given. So, (laughs) but, uh, yeah, and and not just for Aaron Donald either. You know, guys, like you said, uh, Morgan Fox being there, they could truly benefit from learning from guys like um, Demarcus Lawrence and Von Miller. You know, these are, you know, these are guys that you want to learn from. So, why not?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's why I thought it, it was cool to me, it was like, Aaron Donald, yeah, I'd hope he'd be there, uh, it was cool, but like, they brought like Sebastian Joseph Day, like Tanzel Smart was there, Morgan Fox, they brought the whole squad, so I thought it was cool, uh, good bonding for our guys, and yeah, if Aaron Donald can get better, which, look, he's gotten better every year, and he's been an All-Pro the past, what, four years, first team, <laughs> so it's it's kind of wild that he's at this level, and could only get better, and Hope he gets better. Alright, last topic that I have here. I was trying to look on Rams Twitter to see if we could get anything new, but it's it's kinda dry out there. A bunch of St. Louis fans did a fuck Stan Cronky chant uh at a bar stool event down there. A lot of people weren't happy about this. Do we give a shit?
3: No, not at all. Like it do the people of St. Louis have a right to be upset with Kroenke, Yes. I I think I think there's a legit a legitimate reason for the people of St. Louis to be upset and hell if I was in their situation I might throw in a fuck Stan Crunky out there as well. But the reality of the situation is it's done. It's over with. The Rams are in Los Angeles. They are not in St. Louis anymore. It sucks for the people of St. Louis, but um, you know, that's business, unfortunately, you know, that that's how the cards fell. So do I care? Not necessarily. I mean, I hope everyone stood safe and didn't get too crazy out there. But other than that, I could give less than a shit for this. Yeah,
1: I don't give a shit. Look, if you're if you're mad at St. Louis fans for hating on Stan Kroenke, like you're you're the asshole. Uh, they lost their team. Uh, the, the Los Angeles fans have the Rams and the St. Louis fans don't. So why wouldn't they be mad? Um, he, I got into an argument about this on Twitter. Someone was saying like uh, Stan Kroenke is living rent free in their heads. But like, look, they have the right to be mad. Uh, you could say all you want about how St. Louis wouldn't build the stadium or whatever. Or if they couldn't get the details to work, they couldn't get built on time. The fact of the matter is Stan Kroenke is building a $2.6 billion stadium in Los Angeles, and he wouldn't even fund a fraction of that for the St. Louis stadium. You could say, well, the Los Angeles stadium has more value. Of course it fucking does. That's why he moved. But that also doesn't mean he wanted to stay in St. Louis because he didn't, and they have the right to be mad about it. And the Los Angeles fans uh, have the right to not care, but let them be mad about it. They lost their team, and they— Probably will never get another one. Uh, as much as I hate to say, because I do like St. Louis, but uh, that it is what it is, man. The, he took the team, left. I uh, kind of shady to me, but it's here now. I'm happy they're in L. A. It was the right move, but it still sucks for them.
3: Uh, to kind of add a little bit to that, you know if you're <laughs> if you're an L. A. fan and you're kind of taunting, you know the St. Louis fans, just remember where the. LA fans were, you know, five, 10 years ago, we were in the same situation. Essentially, you know, we lost our team. We didn't have a team for, you know, decades. So just remember that feeling of how shitty that felt. And you can understand why the people of St. Louis are saying, fuck Stan Kroenke. Just keep that in mind. You may not agree with it. You may not even support it. But just keep your comments to yourself. Don't be dicks.
1: If there's any older head OG Los Angeles Rams fans listening to the podcast that have lived in the area, I'm sure you were, you know, saying similar things about Georgia Frontier in '97. Um, and no, that was yeah, and that's fine. You know what? They had every right to. Just like the St. Louis fans have the right to bitch about Cronky. Um, I, you know, it is what it is. They're gone. Uh, it sucks for them, but. Uh, they're in L.A. now. All right. Um, I think that's it, man. You got you got anything else you want to talk about? How was your trip? Uh,
3: well, I freaking love Taiwan. If you guys ever have an opportunity to go to Taiwan, it's honestly one of the most beautiful countries you could ever visit. And uh, it's actually not that expensive to go. Like literally your most expensive uh, part to go there would be your plane ticket which you know after that it's super cheap uh, so uh, Steve if you're ever looking to travel I highly recommend that hey. and uh, one last thing I want to mention is some, uh, a topic that you'll probably love I am super stoked on this off topic you know topic about um, Undertaker finally being able to face <laughs> Oh, my God. You knew, I had to throw that out there. I had to throw that out there. Hey, you know, it, it's about 20 years too late, but, you know, I I freaking love that it's finally happening. Sorry. I'm excited about it. It's
1: it's You know it's happening at one of those Saudi Arabia shows I was telling you about, right?
3: Yes, I'm aware, but still, <laughs> it's so freaking cool.
1: I just like it. Like, whoever the... The Saudi, um, like princes or whoever, I don't know, um, that's you know, calling the shots for these pay per views. Like, what they must be just like living in the late 90s. And he's like, hmm, what matches do I want to see? Give me Goldberg and The Undertaker, both in their mid 50s.
3: Like I said, it's about 20 years too late, but I still am excited about it. And I'm sure many others are, too. I think even secretly you're excited about it, Steve.
1: I, I'm intrigued. I will say I'm intrigued. But uh, I, I will say uh, Goldberg, he fought at WrestleMania, I think, two years ago. Uh, he had a match with Brock Lesnar. It was like five minutes long, but it was fucking off the chain, man. It was such a fun match. Uh, Undertaker is Absolutely washed and has nothing left, and I cannot believe he's still wrestling. And I can and I cannot imagine this is going to be a good match. Uh I expect it'll be like six minutes of them staring at each other. Uh I don't even if Goldberg can lift up the Undertaker and hit the jackhammer, I don't think I want to see that because I'll be fearing for the man's life because he's so goddamn old. <laughs>
3: So he breaks the hip in the process, you know. <laughs> but I mean, the thought of you know seeing uh, Undertaker, Tombstone, Goldberg—I mean, that that's intriguing, right? Yeah, yeah, it's
1: intriguing. I mean, it'll be cool for it'll be cool, but like, it will. As a wrestling fan, it is not. I can't imagine it's going to be a good match. But like, <laughs> I- I'll check it out. I don't think I'm going to watch this whole event because. It's weird and also, quite frankly, not a great card, uh, and usually these pay-per-views don't matter, but, like, I'll check out that match. You can't not watch that match.
3: That's really, like, the only reason I'm excited about that whole card. The rest, I, I could give a shit.
1: Well, you know, Randy Orton and Triple H are fighting a grudge match um, that has happened tons of times, and nobody yes. asked for <laughs> like nobody. Need next year it's gonna be Randy Orton versus John Cena, like one last grudge match. Like, yeah, they fought in fucking nine hundred times. Uh, we don't need to see it anymore. Let them let them fight new guys. But hey, whatever. Uh, that's why this show's happening in, in another continent. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we will report back next week with um how the Goldberg Undertaker match was, as well as I'm sure we'll get some other stuff uh, for you guys. Maybe we'll try and get a couple guests here in the June law as we like to call it. But, uh, don't forget. You can follow us on Twitter at talk Rams on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Rams talk. You can find me on Twitter at C Ribeiro. You can find Johnny on Twitter at Johnny five, And don't forget to follow us on anywhere. You are getting your podcasts guys. That's iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher. Uh, iHeartRadio, radio, Android, Google play player. FM, Spotify, and Ivy radio. And, Johnny, I got to say, uh, I put out a feeler on Twitter for questions, and we got no questions. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody asks
3: a question. Uh, well, so what, what are we to ask right now?
1: It's a, Yeah, so I guess if, if you saw that tweet and you thought of something and you didn't want to ask it, you can ask it next time. Don't hesitate. <laughs> but we got through it. All right. Uh, for Johnny – This is Steve. We'll talk to you guys next week.